Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Um, it's just a great opportunity um, to get stirred up. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you. Our hearts are postured to lean into your Word. And Father, your Word... Um, it's like we're saying, just brings life, Lord, and just it's life more abundantly. And so if we lean into your word this morning, we thank you that there is a now word for us so that, Father, it'll be news we can use on Monday, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We were talking about reaching out from a position of strength, and again, in all that we have, have this weekend, we also have Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. And so... Woo, it's the fire of God. And so we, I, just, I, just, I just know that Jesus was so intentional. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the power that, that John the Baptist spoke about, that Joel spoke about. Do not leave. And us as a church, we've got to understand we need this power. We're going to move from a position of strength and um, and, and reach out from a position of strength, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. And so the scripture says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. It's that, it's that God in you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's what 1 John 4, 4 talks about. And so we, we reach out from a position of strength and there was power at Pentecost. In Acts chapter two, it says there, but you... Uh, yes, and on that day of Pentecost, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. There was everybody in town from all over the planet, and they were speaking the absolute wonders of God through by the Holy Spirit. You understand, it's just miraculous what the Holy Spirit does, and we celebrate it on this Sunday because it's 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. And uh, Jesus ascended on the 40th and he says, hang on and wait in the upper room until you receive power. And it was 10 days later. And so we, we just acknowledge that and understand that all I'm talking about and all we talk about and all we try and do as a believer, you cannot do without the Holy Spirit. Because in our soul power, we'll mess it up. I just wanna let you know that. And we need his unction, his intuition. And, uh, and it's the, as we talk about the baptism in water, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's so powerful. And he comes by invitation. He doesn't come and just invade your house with this, with this, um, this power that gives you the ability to reach out. He, he, you re- receive a measure of the Spirit at salvation, and when that happens, you're born again. But then he, he requires us to invite him in so that we can be baptized with power so we can help others. Just want to tell you, it doesn't make you any better. It just makes you better off having the Holy Spirit. And I know about, with that, walking all these years with him. But it's so powerful, important to have the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm talking about the enemies of our faith. And we need to slay the enemies of our faith. And because the enemy is, is just, he's out to... To, to weaken us in our position and our purpose and our effectiveness. And he'll buffet you in every which way he can. And um, so, we, so we're looking at that. And so 
You, you, it's, it's not the big things that kind of whittle your faith down. It's the, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And it, it's, the, it's not the, those that can reach the big, big fruit. No, the, the little things gnaw at the, at the stem of the vine until the whole vine collapses, and then the destruction is great. That's what happens with this, these things that the enemy brings. And, and so in John 10, 10, it says that the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfied life. It's Zoe life, life more abundantly. That's some of the translations say. So that's what God is intention. He says, that's my purpose, but the enemy has a purpose. And we live in a fallen world where the enemy is going to chip at you and, and, and go at you at every angle. And last, last time I spoke, I spoke on discouragement, that, 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 that fox of discouragement that will gnaw at you and set you back. And there's, there's other things of fear and doubt and anger and loneliness and, and procrastination and guilt, all these things kind of whittle away until it discourages you from going forward and being the person of faith that you need to be. So we, we want to look at that. And today I want to talk about worry. <laughs> it's something that the, the enemy uses. It's kind of a, a hook. It's kind of a, a, a crack in your armor that he can get. If he can get you to worry, he can get in there and, then, and, 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 and start working. And um, man, if you start listening to all this propaganda that we listen on every channel that you can find and every device that you have, it's propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. And if you allow that, it'll open the, your, 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 the clench in your, in, your, in your armor and the, we start worrying and start uh, uh, stressing about it. Job had this issue because he was worried that his kids were going to, to, be, uh, to, to land up in sin. And so he worried and that was the the hook and the entrance where Job went down is because he worried. And so we want to look at that because it's important. The definition of worry is uh, troubled, uneasy, distressed, feeling of being anxious and apprehensive. But we want to slay that enemy today with information from the Word of God. We are graced to face today's challenges only. That's what we're graced for. We're not avoiding tomorrow or not planning for tomorrow, but we, we are graced to live and to carry today's challenges and not tomorrow's challenges. We can't do that. A famous sportsman had this, and he says, if I have control of everything, I have no need to worry. If I don't have control of everything, there's no use worrying. You're just not going to beat it. So Corey Ten Boom says this, Worry is an old man bent over, carrying a load of feathers, which he thinks is a load of lead. Carry stuff that really is, is beyond that, and that's, that's what worry does. Worry isn't that could be, but it ain't. It ain't, if it's a good southern word, it ain't. It's worrying about something that might be. The New Testament uses phrases like, take, to take thought. It's like taking a thought. You know, you can't think of two things at once, church. I know you ladies think you can. I know you multitask, and, but there is a fraction of changing your mind. We can't think of two things at once, and so we have this thing. And the Greek word means to have a divided mind. And worry gets you to have a divided mind, and, so, and you can't function. The difference between a legitimate thought and an illegitimate thought. One that's a legal thought I can think of, but there's thoughts that should not be there. And that's what we want to unpack and, and, and look at today. So worries having the concerns over the future where really 
we can't do anything about that. As a, la- a laborer that worked with me um, in Zimbabwe when I was an electrician, and they gave me big, massive um, factory projects to do, and it would, all, the, you know, all the challenges that would give it to me. And I would, I would have this concern thing, and, and people that walk with me know that when I don't have a plan, I'm in my, not my best. But when I have a plan, come hell or high water, that plan is coming about. If we're going to renovate this building, we're going to do it. And 18 months later, the whole, whole lot of dead, exhausted helpers, we did this. But I'll tell you what, I was hellbent, so we're going to do this, come what may. And, and this worker could see it, and he says, Mr. Rod, what's the problem? I said, man, there's a problem in that corner. He says, I want to let you know, Mr. Palmer, Mr. Rod, when we get there, you'll have the solution. And I listened to him and I thought, and I've taken it and I've realized that sometimes when I, I'm concerned about a situation or a, a thing I need to do, I always remember his words. Mr. Rod, you'll get the answer when you get there. Don't think about it or fret yourself before it's time. And it kind of, kind of held me in good stead to push through, um, especially when you're about to plant a church over the pond and you don't have a clue why you're doing it. And I was smoking good stuff when I decided to do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. One who dwells in the future. There's two problems about that. Firstly, I don't smoke, so that's okay. <laughs> Things about worrying about the future. First thing, the, the, the future's not here. <laughs> the future's not here and the future's not ours. Can't handle it. It's not ours. So, so what are you bothering about? Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, and I'm going to unpack Matthew 6 today with us. It is wrong to worry, and we need to deal with it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses the enemy of of worry. So what are we not talking about this morning? I don't want to confuse us because some people kind of take this to the extreme. I'm not talking about not planning about tomorrow. I know that King James has has the wording, it says, take no thought for tomorrow. That's what it means not to worry. And some people literally take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow, they just are kind of like going to blase mode. They kind of sing the song, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see, que sera, sera. No, 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 no. What you do today will affect your tomorrow. Your today's will affect your tomorrow. Scripture is all about planning and preparation. And uh, Jesus and, and, and the Scripture says that God has plans for us. He knows that he has a plan for us. He has a, a, a purpose for us for us and we understand that he had a purpose to send Jesus so he has a plan and a purpose and we need to understand that but I'll tell you what we've got, we've got to understand that um, yeah it's 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 that that we need to need to not concern ourselves about it but there is a planning don't concern yourself is is talking about being anxious it says don't be anxious it's a difference between worry and concern. And worry is about the future that we have no control. And concern is being responsible about handling and giving thought and attention. Well, I'm talking about having a spirit of worry. And I tell you, it, it paralyzes some people, uh, the spirit of worry. And we don't want that. So let's look at the reasons to facing the enemy um, um, of worry. And, um, and one thing I want us to leave with today is that we have a reason to stop worrying. That we have a a full understanding that we need to stop worrying and to be aware of the effects of worry. We need to leave here today with that. Matthew 6, Jesus lists things that are true about worry, and I want to bring it to our attention. The first one is worry is inconsistent. 
It makes no sense. It does not flow and align with God and His way. When you put it into the big picture, worry can't be part of it because it's not consistent. And so in Matthew 6, 25, it says here, that is why I tell you not to worry. Jesus is talking to the crowd um, in, 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 the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? If the Lord who provides us with the big thing, life, and the body to carry this life, would he not provide and, and give us those, those things that will, will totally support and sustain life? Why would he just do that? It's like the, the, the car makers just producing a car and never giving a coolant for the engine, oil for the lubricant, or fuel for the car. So they have to make a plan to provide for that. Otherwise, their vehicle is of no use. The same thing with us. God gives us life. Then he provides all the incidentals. And so we were fretting about there's not enough incidentals for us to sustain life. I tell you what, this earth can handle 400 billion people. We're nowhere near there. So don't buy the lie that the scientists say that we're overpopulated. Do you understand that if you put four people in a square yard, you can take the full city limit of Jacksonville and put the whole population of the planet Earth into the city limit of Jacksonville? That'll give you a reality check. And there's so much more that can happen. So why did I go off there? Who knows? That wasn't part of the first service. That's a bonus of second service. Hallelujah. And here we're talking about Jesus, talking about the greater to the lesser. He says, and so he wants us to understand this. And so uh, he provides food to place in our bodies, clothes to put on our bodies, and shelter to cover, uh, to cover over our bodies. He has provided that. Worry is not consistent with his great provision. It's not consistent. So when we get into that vein, into that rut, a rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. So don't put yourself in that. You realize that it's not. You got that one, eh? Grave of the... Okay. Hallelujah. One worries about the incidentals that adorn life. God will meet us with our needs. He may not meet your greed, but he will meet your need. Amen. The other thing is worry is irrational. It does not add up. It's not coherent with God and the believers. But in the big picture of things, worry should not, should not have a place. In verse 26, it says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Kind of just puts perspective. That's where we are, more valuable. So here we see God providing life and those things that we need in verse 25. And here Jesus is now arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's talking about little birds and how he provides for them. And then he says, how does that compare with us? So in verse 25, he talks about life to clothes. In verse 26, he talks about birds to humanity, compares them. Jesus is trying to get through to us. So we can understand it. If Almighty has provision and counts for every bird, how more important are we? To put it into perspective, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, he says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. 
But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. I love the way he continually just keeps emphasizing your father, father. He's not talking my father, my father, Jesus. He's talking about your father, your father. Understand your father. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than the whole flock. I don't know if you call them flock, but that's how they say, of sparrows. But I found something interesting. Buy one, get one free. Luke chapter 12. Luke discovered this deal. I know Xander loves a deal. Hallelujah. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. What? Two copper coins? Uh, Two sparrows, one copper coin. Four sparrows plus one. You get a bonus one for two copper coins. You've got to see this stuff. It's valuable in the scriptures. You understand that there is a deal. Can I explain to you that a copper coin is a sixteenth of a denarii, and denarii is a day's wage. So he's talking, trying to tell us exactly on the scale of our value system where the sparrow sits and how he even knows that, every, that one of them, when it falls down on the ground, he knows about it. He even knows when our hair count changes because every hair on your head is counted. I have far less accounting that has to happen on mine. But I tell you what, I don't know how he keeps up with the ladies, especially when Val has to clear the shower drain because I do not clear shower drains. I do not clear anything I can. If you want me to regurgitate my breakfast, lunch, or dinner, get me to clear a drain with hair. Oh, I just get nauseous just the thought of it. But he accounts for every hair, even the ones that go down the drain. He accounts for it. Now, that's amazing. We need to be rational thinkers because worry is not rational thinking. And so we need to understand that. The other thing is worry is ineffective. There is, it has no effect. You, you can worry and it has no effect. Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Single moment, no chance. In the other translation, it says, can it increase your height? One cubit, that's 18 inches. And I know some guys would love an extra 18 inches. And it ain't going to happen. No matter how much you worry about it, it's not going to happen. But the opposite is possible. You may, your worries may get you to the grave earlier. And many cheat God out of years because they worry and, and cause themselves to go to an early grave. You understand you cheat God because he requires your life to be current and present to do what you've been called to do. And then you worry and fret and land up in the, in the grave before your time. Shame on you. I've got this thing, if you worry, you die. If you don't worry, you die. So why die? You'll yeah, get that. Worry does not, is no good and, is, uh, or, and makes no difference. Your worry ruins today and tomorrow. Worry does not rob today of its sorrows. It robs today. Um, no, it doesn't, wor- ro- doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrows. It robs today of its strength. That's what worry does. It robs today of its strength. Worry is ineffective. So worry is illogical. Because here in verse 28 it says, Why worry about your clothes? And, uh, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, you know who Solomon is? Quite a bright guy, like the cleverest dude that ever walked, and the richest dude. 
And even his threads didn't even match to what, what God did. And all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Talking about the, the valley, the lilies uh, and, and the flowers. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Can I put perspective, things into perspective? And here he is. There is an abundance with God. He's not just getting by in the economy like we surround ourselves with. He is more than able to give you exceedingly abundantly above. So that should take the worry off the list. For what God has to provide for all of us and our humanity is chuff change for God because he's such an abundant God. Solomon couldn't match the beauty and the splendor. Worry has no logic, and, and Jesus is presenting the argument. But if you're putting your faith in your ability and your strength and your gifting, you better be worried because that don't work. Our trust is in God. We, we are the pinnacle of his creation. It is, it is illogical to worry. The last one I want to put in my list here is the, the worry is ir- irreligious. I wanted to use a different word, but I'm going to use irreligious because it just rhymes with all the other eyes I used, okay? It's ungodly. It's unbelieving. It's unchristian to worry. I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying here. Let me read it to you. Verse 31, it says, So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what we, should, we will drink and what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, pagans, heathens. Can we say it any stronger? That's who fret themselves. Why? Because they do not have a God who's resourceful and wants to bless us and provide for us. Because they don't. They are dealing with their own. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. When we worry, we forget whose we are. We align ourselves with the Gentiles, the pagans, the, and the heathens. Worry is not Christian. It's not becoming of a believer. Worry is having, um, uh, is, is having uh, a behaving like you don't have a heavenly father and an earthly family. That's what worry does. That's what your behavior is. Worry is believing God is not able to care. You understand when people worship other things, idols, anything that's, that, that, that is above God is called an idol. And an idol, um, it, it feels not, it hears not, it cares not, and it does not. And that's the thing that we bring into our lives. We realize that that's what, that, that's what happens. Yes, there's moments where we worry, guilty as charged. I'm a parent. Okay, you will worry. And I just want to tell you that it, it's, it's, it's alive and well when you've got, when you got kids. You're always worrying about them. But I understand that I'm small D dad and he is big D dad. And if you kind of have that perspective, it kind of helps. I tried my best to keep that perspective when Natalie went on a Red Bull challenge. She was um, three girls in a team, and there was another team from California, but the two teams were part of a hundred teams around the world that went to Europe and were 25 teams in, a, in, a, in different cities and in Europe, 
And they all had the challenge. In 10 days, they had to go to as many countries in Europe and use as many different transports as possible and get as many likes as possible and anything else that would score you points to, to win the challenge. And so my daughter d- decides to go on that. And I first thing I did is I took her to the movie called Taken. <laughs> because that's what good responsible fathers do when they're about to worry about their daughter. And so we had an app. Uh, oh, yeah. And all their travels had to be paid with Red Bull. No cash. Nope, nope, nope. They just had Red Bull. So they each had 12 cans of Red Bull. So they had 36 cans between the three of them. They hated carrying those things, but it became valuable when you wanted to trade them for food or transport or sleeping. So she had, they had to trade that. They traded three cans on the first day for three flights from Vienna, Austria, to some other place in Europe there. Three cans. They, they were suddenly world famous because that was the, that was the first day. Anyway, to, out of the 50 teams, they came about 42nd, I think, at the end of it. I don't care where they came, as long as they came back home. I was all I was worried about. And, uh, yeah, so, so the, you talk about not worrying, and at one stage, for a day and a half, now, they've only got 10 days, so you don't mesh around. For a day and a half, they were stuck in Switzerland. And we had an app so we could see them. I called the guys down, the, the agents down in Miami. I said, have you noticed Natalie hasn't moved for a day and a half? They said, well, we don't, we don't have access unless they use their emergency cell phone. There, there, there is no contact. And finally, they moved. They just, they just decided to have, hang out in Switzerland for some reason <laughs> without telling the parents anyway. Anyway, so I'm talking about there is places where we will worry, okay? But the thing is, do not take residence there. Do not camp there. Do not put up your tent there and live there and adopt it. Where some of you guys, the only thing you want to do, if you don't have anything to worry about, you will worry anyway because you, that's just what you are, warriors. And the people have said that. And God's saying, don't do that. You've got to be assured that your father knows your needs. So you need to stop, step back and realize worrying about the future that you have no control of is ungodly, is ungodly. How do we fight the enemy of worry? Jesus is in the sermon tells us that we need to silence the enemy of worry. We need to silence it. And there's two things we need to fight the enemy of worry. And the first thing is we need to prioritize We need to prioritize because the scripture says here, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So the translation is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and living righteousness, righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you prioritize and put the king and the kingdom first in all that you're thinking and saying and doing and believing and planning, somehow if you take care of God's business, He'll take care of your business. I've just discovered that. But when your mind gets into this place where you want to do this and God's saying, I suggest you to do this, and you get into this double-minded situation, that's when the house falls down. This is a double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways and expects to receive nothing from God because we get into that place. We need to prioritize God and focus Him in our t- into our life. That's why I tell you, Christians, do not dabble with Christianity. Get involved Lock arms with the king and then do this 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Because that's when you see that you have the victory and you don't have to be in that place of worry because I know my king. I know my king and my king will take me through. Otherwise, the house will collapse. And the big issue is about having a divided heart. And uh, I was just saying that uh, when, you, when you're kind of the king of your own place, because we, we want to be the king of our own, our own domain. We want to be the God of our own world, because really we, that's how we're wired selfishly. We want to be that. And the Rhodesian um, farmers used to be so wealthy. I mean, you don't even have to even have two brain cells to become prosperous in farming in Rhodesia because the land is just, it's just amazing. You don't even have to have a clue. You just throw seed out there and it'll come up as a crop and you'll be prosperous. We would joke with the farmers and say, only one Mercedes this year? You're only buying one Mercedes, Benz? Normally you're buying two. I mean, it's kind of just, it's just a joke. And they are gods in their own world. They were so hard to reach for Christ because they called the shots. They had the money until the government all changed and they wake up and their currency had devalued where your bank balance is zero in the morning. Then I want to see where your God is. Don't let it be that. Let God be a priority that will hold you through these times when, man, you've got a barrage of stuff to worry about. But if you've got the king holding you true to the compass and you're, he's, he's your keel, he'll hold you and pull you through. God must be the plumb line, the center. And so we need to ch- have a checklist and say, listen, how are my priorities going? How's my priorities going with my relationships? How's my priority going with my career? How's my priorities going with, with my financial handlings? All these things need to have a priority that will hold you true to where you need to go. And so priority is, is one of the things that will silence worry because I have God first. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And I have that in every aspect of my life. And then I'll watch everything else. Also, the second thing you need is you need a plan. Planning prevents problems. You can't just be whatever will be. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to plan. And so it's, it's, it's not a, a worry because the biggest battle you're going to have is right between these ears. That's where the biggest battleground you're going to have. You're going to have thoughts coming from the world, thoughts coming from the preacher, thoughts coming from your quiet time. You're going to be having this wrestle. The enemy is going to nyanya you all the time. And, and, and thoughts are going to come, guys. But don't let them nest here. That's when worry starts, when you allow thoughts to nest. And that's, it, doesn't, it doesn't bring the outcome. And so it's here in verse 34, it says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. You see, we don't sink with the today's burdens. We sink when we add tomorrow's burdens onto today. That's when the ship's going down. Jesus teaches us to have daytight compartments. Don't allow them to kind of um, don't ha- go go beyond that. Yes, you, we can look at tomorrow. Yes, we have concerns for tomorrow, but we've got to carry today and today only. Otherwise, it's not going well. Because God's designed us like that. Outside of that, we're not graced to do it. And so Dr. Osler helped people that were, we're just, we're just addicted to worry. 
And he talked about worrying as, as compartments on the ship, that they have compartments on the ship. And so if, if, if a, a hole comes in there or water comes in there, they can close that compartment off so the water doesn't flood the rest of the ship and make the whole ship go down. He talks about having compartments that you need to shut that down before that worry swamps the whole boat. And that's, he was, that's how he spoke. And in a journey of life, it's critical that we lower these compartments down and lock down certain things so we don't um, go under. And there's, there's things that will cause us to go under, failures of yesterday and concerns about tomorrow. These are the things that will, that will, that will sink us. And I just want to unpack it because it's important because there's these niggling things that I need to bring to the light because if you bring it to the light, darkness has no hold on it any longer than when you bring something to the light. It's critical that we live in, in, in day-tight compartments. And I just want to elaborate. So do not dwell on tomorrow. We are graced for today. Do not borrow today's grace to handle tomorrow's issues. When you think it's okay, but let me just worry about tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's the dwelling on, the fretting about tomorrow that damages and destroys and discourages you today. And that's what we, we can't have. Why does it empty tomorrow of its sorrow? Worries empties today of its strength. Worries tomorrow empty today of its strength. And so we need to make sure. I want to tell you about my journey and why it's so real to me. It's because when we, I'd gone through the, the whole Rhodesian War, there was a war there for 14, 15 years in Zimbabwe. And after that, we went into getting a career and from there went into ministry. And a whole lot of things culminated to where I had a nervous breakdown. Didn't know at the time. I just know I collapsed physically. Now, on one side of my body, when I get tired, on one side of my face kind of droops. Barry, Barry comes and pushes it up, you know. Um, but it, 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 was, it was real. And when I gathered myself, I went to a career analysis lady, and she just kind of had this degree of, of summing us up. And so I went there and did all her little tests, not little tests, like four hours of it, kind of just going through all assessments and everything else. And she said, come back in a week's time. A week's time, I took Val. I said, come and hear about your crazy husband because I can't understand myself. I really thought my career was wrong and I was just trying to grope at anything to, to, to settle myself down. And when, uh, when, I, when she came in, um, she said, listen, your career is fine. She says, but you should be hospitalized with a nervous breakdown. What is keeping you going day by day? You need to be medicated. I said, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Bring every thought captive to, into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. I said, I'm a Christian and I, that's the only thing that holds me. I said, when I wake up at six o'clock in the morning, I do not think past eight o'clock. I will not let my brain go anything about the day because as soon as that happens I start tingling I start hyperventilating and I can't I bring my thoughts back and I said no we're going to have a cup of coffee we're going to have a, a toast with some jelly on it and then we will take the next step and then I'll think till 10 o'clock and then I'll think till noon I could not bring myself to think about how am I going to pay for the kids bills tomorrow or how I'm going to sort it out I just faithfully did what was in front of me because I had to take grab every thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. And some of us here in this room, you best do that because your worry is taking you down a trench that you don't need to go down. So God wants you to grab it. And that's how I got it. And, and, and how long did it take? 
No, it didn't take a month. It didn't take two months. It didn't take three months. It took more like 18 months for me to walk out this hole where I could eventually wake up and think till lunchtime or I could think for the day. But I couldn't think any further. Like moving out the country of Zimbabwe to South Africa, my wheels would come off. But when I got to that strength, I, w- I did then go there and then we could move. But I tell you what, that scripture held me tight. So when you sing this song one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Sometimes you need to sing that because that's all you need, one day at a time, because you can't go beyond that because your emotions really get wrecked and worry comes and paralyzes you. Mark Twain said, I am an old man. I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. You understand that? So that's talking about tomorrow. Do not dwell on your yesterdays. Many folk camp in their yesterdays. You, you, you can't make done things undone. Sorry. You can't pray, oh God, may it not have been. It is done. And so we need to, that's a useless prayer. So what are the things of yesterday? Our sins of yesterday kind of haunt us and, 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 and badger us. But the Lord says, I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. And it's as far as the east is from the west. So the real problem is that your standard is higher than God's standard because he forgives you. Why aren't you forgiving yourself? Okay, I'll move right along. Worrying about yesterday's successes. Do you understand when you've had these, this, this, this backdrop of all the success that you happen that it really paralyzes you because it worries about, man, I am not that person anymore. I can't get there. And the past successes haunt you. But Paul writes to people that are struggling about this in Philippians 3.13. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the, 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 the heavenly prize, which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Do you understand your rearview mirror is only this size? And your windshield is this size? Time to look through the windshield. And it'll get you off yesterday's worries. What about yesterday's sorrows, your losses, your disappointments, your pain? All that is very real, and we all have a whole bunch of that. But it doesn't help pondering on it and living on it. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the the key is we walk through. Yes, we've got carnage on the left and on the right, but the thing is that we walk through. So don't worry about sins and, uh, and, and past successes and sorrows. It will deprive you of today. We must close the door in the compartments of these worries of yesterday and today and, t- and tomorrow. When we get to tomorrow, we'll have the grace to move on and move past. There's a sign on the gar- this one fuel station that says, free gas tomorrow. <laughs> and when you ride past there tomorrow, it'll say free gas tomorrow. <laughs> so church, I, as the pastor, give you permission to worry tomorrow, okay? And when you get there tomorrow, I will give you permission to worry tomorrow. Yes, because that's, we live and serve a God who is of the present, Not tomorrow, not yesterday. We serve the God of the present. Arthur Rank made a Wednesday worry box. 
any worries, went into the Wednesday worry box. Some of you may want to make one of those. And when Wednesday came, he would unpack the worry box and realize that over 75% of those worries had dissipated. So get a worry box, put it in there, and wait a week, and then go back and see how relevant those worries are. At the time, it's daunting. At the time, it's this Goliath in your life. Put it in the worry box. Amen. God wants us unshackled from this, this gnawing fox of worry that would just hinder you from doing what he's called you to do. So church, come. Let's rise up. I'll leave you with seven very important words, but I'll preface it with these scriptures. Psalm 50, 15. Call on me when you are in trouble, and I'll rescue you. 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What are the words I want to leave with you? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you that you came to set us free. But not only free, but free indeed. And so, Father, as we realize these gnawing little foxes that are continually gnawing at our faith. Father, today we recognize them. We recognize discouragement. We recognize this, this, the, the, the enemy of our faith called worry. And so, Father, we want to keep it in its place and realize that you are more than enough, that you are more than sufficient for us to stand and know. We may not know our uh, what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And so, Father, we anchor our souls in that. We take every thought captive and bring it to obedience of you. You are our priority. You are our purpose and our plan, my God. And so, Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, would you have your way now in amongst us as a family and those that are online, that we would capture our thoughts and recognize what's worry. And that, Father, there is, it's ineffective, it's inconsistent, it's irreligious, Lord. It's irrational for us to allow that as believers in a holy God who is more than enough. So, Father, I thank you. Church, just spend a moment and identify what is paralyzing you with worry. And call it what it is. So, Father, we thank you that you are our Father who art in heaven. 
hallowed be your name. Thank you that you hold us, you help us, you carry us, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And Father, we rest in that, knowing that when tomorrow comes, you will be there, ever present, to lead us on, to carry us forward. For the kingdom's sake, in Jesus' name.